back to the Why Hockey periodically spending a lot of money on a new microphone podcast. If you think the audio sounds a little different, it's because it's not coming through $7 CBS headphones and a microphone anymore. It's coming through a very professional blue microphone that I was recommended to get at Best Buy. I I just found out that's how you were recording. Like, when you were telling me last week you were replacing them. And I, I was surprised and had i known earlier <laughs> i don't know what i would have done well it's for well for me I, I i had one of those shows that we were recording and i absolutely hated the audio and i said okay it's time to upgrade a little bit i've got a camera if you remember when i went on a uh, game over montreal that was like a 30 buck camera i bought at target because i needed one because i hate the webcam on my computer but I wanted to try the new microphone. I want to make the audio sound better. It's not that it's been terrible, but I could tell. I, I edited it. So I wanted to try this out for the playoffs. It's a big series. It's a big moment. And I don't hate the way it sounds. I've done some tests. I don't mind it. Hope you all like it. If you hate it, you can tell me. Hope you didn't pay for Twitter Blue. That's just my, that's just my hope as we are recording this on a Legacy Verified Checkmark Dives Day. Yeah, I mean, there's two things I'm not going to do. Spend money on social media or spend money on phone games. <laughs> That's Those perfectly my... fair. Look, I, I, once, I once attempted to spend money on RuneScape. That was not a phone game, but for those of you of a certain vintage, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You got addicted to that for about 10 minutes. Uh, if you're ring, why haven't we recorded a show more recently? We attempted to, and then Skype decided not to work, and schedules decided not to work, and I've been going through some crazy stuff in a personal life, so I really wanted to get something done during this series at some point, and the Panthers picked a great game to be good in, so now we can talk about this and talk about this series all together. Um, it was fascinating to watch that game after the day I went through and watch Florida actually play a pretty good game pretty damn close to what Paul Maurice said he was going to bring in September? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much there. Uh, you know, there's still... I think... And obviously you don't want to... You always want to be getting better in the playoffs, so you know, that mentality is not bad. But there's still room for improvement. There's still things they have to iron out. Um, as much as they played well, a lot of that playing well was just kind of the commitment to that style and uh, the energy and the 60 minutes effort, you know, that they brought for, for the game less so than the execution to a T of that style of that system, et cetera. But, you know, obviously they're not going to be all of a sudden making these huge leaps and bounds against the Bruins, even if they don't have Bergeron, you know, it's going to take it, it's going to be like a period-by-period, game-by-game thing where you're just trying to take that next step, trying to do a little more um, uh, without forcing things, without taking too much risk, without, you know, uh, leaving the door open for the other team. I was most impressed with how it actually seemed like they adjusted based on what happened in Game 1 because our biggest criticism all year was that Paul Maurice wasn't adjusting what he was doing. The defense pairs weren't changing. The power play wasn't changing. The lines weren't changing. Almost immediately in game two, they made changes. That wasn't just because Sam Bennett was back, but in the first period, Anthony Duclair moves off the top line. 
instantly. In the second period, right. Higgy moves off the top line. It seemed that they changed the way that they were forechecking, too. Right. Because I didn't I, think that they were bad in game one in that regard, but it seemed like they made a specific tweak on where they were forechecking. And at the end of the game, you could see how well it worked because multiple goals came from that. The, you know, the argument from the other side of the table, though, is Duclair probably shouldn't have been on the first line to start the game. Uh you know, that uh, maybe there's some of those switches should have been happening in the middle of game one. Uh, and that, you know, this this is good. This is a good response. You know, what's how much do you walk the line between being consistency, showing belief in players and giving them opportunities versus, you know, oh, you know making changes, making adjustments? Um, you know, that's kind of hard to do. But I think for some of the things... Uh, you know, it could have been done a little earlier and just, you know, by comparison to Brunette, who didn't really do this much in two series uh, that Maurice did in during one game, I think kind of uh, speaks volumes to just uh, relative how well Maurice did for a, a game. I think the experience of having, you know, he's not a great playoff coach, let's be honest, but having the experience of coaching 90-something playoff games has taught him, I gotta know when I need to adjust. I have to know when I've gotta pull the trigger. I would have liked to have seen it in game one, too. And right. you're, you're absolutely right, and there are other areas where they made some mistakes, some big mistakes, but the fact that the adjustments were made, and they were made so quickly, when I don't think they were great in the first period, they weren't bad, but then you instantly saw how the adjustments paid off in the second period. And the other thing that I liked about game two was, you know, really quickly after it looked like something was changing, you know, they work really hard to get the lead, then they do a very stupid thing on the power play, give up a shorthanded goal. Very quickly thereafter, they make the good play, they take advantage of a chance, and they quiet the crowd again. They scored 38 seconds into the third period and the crowd's out of it. Like, that was a good response... For me, in-game, not getting lost in the moment and not getting overawed by the moment. Yeah, I mean, the the narrative right now is that they're adopting, you know, Alex Lyon's style of, you know, there's many articles that said, like, his mentality is he might take, he might need adjustments, uh, you know, like when he uh, came up to the NHL this year, he said, you know, I needed adjustment, I needed that time. Uh, but once I kind of pick something up, I'm very good at it. Uh, and kind of that mentality of when something comes at you that's tough, not to shy away, knowing that it just means you're about to take another step and just push, you know, push through, do the right things through it. And, you know, believe on the other end of that is the positive results and the consistency. And that's kind of the one thing, you know, is you know, it's great when they say that it's great when coaches and players say that, but you know, there, it was also a lot of talk about how like mature and ready for the NHL Spencer Knight was. And, you know, I, I'm, this is not, I'm not saying this because of the, it, you know, his leave in the player's assistance program, but more so even before that, it seemed like he maybe wasn't as up to the task or they gave him a little more than he could bite off you know, at the time and maybe some more seasoning, the AHL would do well. Um, you know, so like they, there's been things said, but to see Alex Lyon actually do that, you know, bounce back from some bad games, you know, he, 
I would say he doesn't have the hot hand anymore. He's he's not he's not riding momentum. You know, you can tell by some of the goals he's giving up. He's just being a good goalie right now. And, and it's not that he's a hot hand and that's why he's in the crease. It's he's controlling the crease. He's settled down. He's really, you know, been able to impact the team uh, in a way that Bobrovsky does when he's at his best. Um, and the hope is that this is going to continue with Lyon, um, you know, at least through this series. I would hope so, too. And there were obviously thoughts that they might switch after game one. I know the Barshan goal he gave up was bad. And you were critical of him on that, uh, the, the other goal where it just sat on his pad. And I, I'm okay yeah. with criticism yeah. for that. But I didn't think he was bad enough to the point where you had to make the change. No, you know what no. I mean? And, and that was and the difficult was... decision that Paul Maurice had to make. Because we remember two years ago, I apologize for interrupting, but we remember two years ago when it instantly went wrong in one of the games, Joel Quenville changed the goalie and they didn't, were chasing their tail. So I have to give some credit to Paul Maurice for saying, look, I still believe in, even if I don't think that was an A-plus game, he knew what he needed to say to give his guy some confidence and give him the push because he knew he was going to start him game two. And that confidence gave him the opportunity to make the saves the Panthers needed to make. And once they had those saves, they could build on that from there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, Maurice is definitely pushing him with confidence. That's why you, you said he played an A plus game in game one. No, you can't play an A plus game in game one where in my case, you, there's two soft goals. The second one, you know, it, everyone is more focused on, Oh, it's just such a weird play with it sitting on the pad. I, I totally understand that. But why does it get to the pad? Because a savable sh- shot fell through his body, his arms kind of in the six hole area. And like, you know, I, you know, it's fine. Like I wasn't saying take him out and replace him with Bob. In fact, before the postseason, I was saying I would, I wanted to give Bob, Bob some games down the stretch. So you'd have some more data and more knowledge of each goalie um i i didn't like that they but like the way that maurice didn't play bob down the stretch the way you know he the way he kind of set this up and kind of iced bob when he was healthy which you know i'm fine i'm not saying that was a bad thing he kind of backed himself into he has to go back to him in game two unless he was brutal you know like unless he was bad unless he gave up those weak goals and didn't make a couple big saves, you know, didn't show that he was reading play and keeping up with pace and stopping those one timers side to side. You know, if he couldn't showcase that, you know, but by showcasing that there's no way you're going to take him out. I don't, I I think it's an easy call. If if Maurice butchered that, I mean, it would help the wild fans would love it because it would make their coach, uh, you know, I don't they, know how much we're going to talk about other series yeah. in this show, but that, but that, that is, was hysterically that would be the bad. One, that would be the one thing I would want to talk about. But, you know, like, it just made sense. You know, I like Lyon. Uh, you know, there's, there's reasons I still think that Bob should have gotten a game in one of the last three uh, to, to play and, and kind of get himself ready because you never know if you're going to need him as a backup, et cetera. Um, but my whole thing has been, you can't, you pick a goalie, let them play. Cause that's what this team needs. If we learned anything, it's the switching back through with the goalies hurt Spencer Knight hurts, Bob 
and we don't know about Lion, but I don't want to find out. Um, you know, Lion seems to play get better as he plays more, and that follows Bob and, and Knight. So, um, you know, I'm not up for any more scheduled starts or uh, this and that or playing the hot hand or not. I think you kind of have to, you know, uh, walk the middle ground. But mainly, you know, you just play the goalie that you have the belief in and the team has the belief in. Uh, and the one that you're going to stick to and the team's going to stick to, I think, is the overarching, uh, you know, the overarching story we're seeing now. I wanted to also, not just with Lion, but overall, when you watch that game last night, you start asking yourself, like, why couldn't you have seen this before? I get it's the regular season. I get there's injuries. I get they're, you know, changing a lot of what they do. But it just frustrated me that they couldn't do that more this regular season. They did it in spurts, and there were moments when we saw it, but we didn't see it enough. And if that was the kind of game that they were capable of, and clearly they were, because that was... I want to, It's not perfect, but it was about as good a game as you could play on the road against the best regular season team ever by certain metrics. I just wanted to see it more during the regular season, and I want to highlight a couple of players here. And it seems weird to say that Sam Bennett's really crucial to what this team does, but when you watched Game 2 and you see what Sam Bennett was able to do off an injury, not playing for a month, and being the best forward that they had was was kind of jarring, but also elucidating. I remember saying on the last show, or the show that you didn't hear, about the stat of, like, the Panthers are a 101-point pace team when Barkoff and Bennett both play, but they're under hockey 500 when one or both of them are out. And probably that has to do with the system Paul Maurice is, is implemented and how much he's asking his centers to do, because you see the drop-off once you get beyond they're Lundell. Defensemen. They're defensemen. That, yes, that, you're like, absolutely right. And, and, you know, it, that's that's kind of frustrating, but it is what it is. It's not something that they can, I think, permanently do. I don't, I don't think, like, you know, I was watching the Canes, uh, or no, I was watching the uh, Stars game, I think it was, uh, and they were talking about how the Canes were the, you know, the only team that employ, like, a strict man-to-man system in the NHL. Uh I don't think that like Florida's thing should become we use our centers to be like number one left defenseman. Uh, you know, that's I think just uh, a product of not having a str- as strong of a top four as you'd you'd want um, and not feeling confident enough to play that third pair more despite or you know one or two of the one or two of those guys, you know, give them more shifts. Um, despite their their stats, because they're they're trying to bridge a gap, um, and 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 you know it's what we've said is the most vital uh, need of the team for a while. So at least they're you know finding an answer that works on the ice currently, because you know they can't you know go at a defenseman right now, and they they decidedly didn't think they could from the Kachuk trade forward. Um, which was also frustrating, but it's working out for now. Um, but you know, you can see what it leads to. Um, it leads to being very dependent on the wingers to get the puck out of the zone. 
Uh, Barkov's wingers struggled to do that. Verhage uh, and Duclair um, struggled to handle pucks on the way out of the zone. Struggled to do any to do something with the puck, whether it was hold possession or put the puck into spaces where they can at least challenge for or pressure uh, the possession. Uh, Boston would get um, that kind. You know, it it hurts Barkov's ability to create offense because he's picking up the majority of big time D zone draws. So he's starting from the D zone a lot. Um, and then to get out of the D zone, he has to in tandem with one of the defensemen, uh, get the puck back and move it to the wing uh, because there's not enough space for them to skate it out. And they're not going to try moves to break, to get around checks. Uh, these Boston Bruins are, are too good to be trying those dangles uh, in your own zone like that. So, you know, Barkov and the D are doing, you know, Montour for a while was struggling with offensive creation for that same reason. They were doing a lot of work moving pucks up to the wingers, but they weren't able to get that rush started so that these players could come in trailers and join the rush with speed and, and funnel in through the back and pick the open ice up. And, and you know, that's what they've been used to this year uh, and the, what they've been doing down the stretch so well. We've, we talked about how they're, you know, the big three, Kachuk, Barkov, and Montour were all over a point per game down the stretch from March onwards. Uh, and it was mainly because they were able to basically everybody was doing their role. But the biggest challenge so far in the playoffs has been, you know, having that poise with that puck, doing some, you know, having that better puck management with all that energy, with all that, uh, I don't want to say, um, like they're scared or anything, but you know, it, it's, it seems like it takes them a little while to get up to playoff pace to understand what playoff hockey is, you know, and that's not just some of the star players. It's also some of the grinders and stuff like, you know, cousins, I, I thought had some really good moments, but also had some moments where um, he was really soft on the puck and like the puck kind of just went off of his stick or he kind of let the puck go um, or he kind of just kind of hot potato the puck out. Um, but there's, you know, a winger on every line, if not two, that had moments like that in the game. Um, but it's, it's interesting great. to see now that they have Barkov with Reinhardt and Losterainen, which I can understand it if you, at this point, you're not going to be able the, to break the puck out with speed. So what you well, need to do is have guys who can actually manage the puck somewhat decently in those areas. Well, no, no, no. The biggest thing is you need guys who, like, you need wingers that are going to play with your center. So Verhage and Duclair were getting too were getting too stretched, and Barkov was not able to be a local support option for them when they got in trouble. So they had to chip it out. They had to just kind of throw it and hope uh, to the far wing and hope the other would get it. They had to, you know, just they weren't able to do the move or whatever they were trying to do. Um, so, you know, giving Luostranen and, and Reinhardt, who are better on switches with Barkov, uh, but also get deeper on the breakouts from what I've seen. Um, someone can correct me if I'm, I'm, I'm wrong, but I think Luostranen and, and Reinhardt play deeper, play lower. So they're getting that breakout 
puck pass lower, which makes it easier for the D and Barkov to get that puck to them. But then also it allows them to all come up together. So you have more support. Everybody's in the picture. Everybody has speed. And, um, you know, the, 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 the biggest, most impressive thing they did was back check and get down the ice as a unit. When they're fractured, when they're spread out, and you create a lot of one-on-ones, two-on-ones, one-on-twos, yeah, the two-on-ones are great at times, but, you know, you want to kind of have all, you know, four or five guys in the picture being options, you know, moving all at the same same time, pulling all in the same direction. Um, And we saw that, especially on the back check. I loved it. I mean, it was just a really fun game to watch. And the moments of anxiety were slim compared to what, you know, they have been in the past. I can tell you that I think that was better than any game they played in the playoffs under the last two coaches. It felt maybe game two against Washington where they blew them out, you know, but that was a different kind of game. Maybe, you know, that game five against Tampa in 21 was kind of like that, but this was a much more consistent performance i think that and then maybe a performance uh against the devils back in the day just because for relative to what that team should have done and like you know to have a full team effort from from some of those scrubs and stuff um not to run you're thinking about you're thinking about that shutout in game five i'm assuming because that's what because that was the only one that was like that but there was a consistent it wasn't just the effort it was the effort to execute on the ideas, and I am not Jack Hahn, I am not a systems analyst, but I want to point something out here that I saw. Do you, it was where the Panthers were forechecking the Boston players along the wall in their own zone that was forcing turnovers. And if you go back to the Verhage goal, like that's where you really noticed it, where Bennett comes in, he hits the defenseman along the wall, Kachuk is their support, and instantly Verhage's there on the free side, and he's got the entire room, you know, the world to work with, basically. The similar kind of play when they shut the wall off on the Bennett goal and they force Boston to go up the middle and Kachuk is standing right at the blue line and he intercepts that pass and feathers it back forward. It was, I think, where they were forechecking Boston that changed. Because in game one, their forecheck wasn't bad. In the first two periods, I thought it was pretty good. But it wasn't leading to pucks going into the right areas. It was leading to cycles back to Forsling who would fire a puck into a host of bodies, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the difference is proactive versus um, contain. Game one, I thought their four-check was good. They contained, they finished checks. But the difference between finishing a check and separating, you know, using a, a check to separate the team from possession is, is night and day. Um, that You know, they were proactive. They were finding the choke points. You know, they were funneling, finding choke points. And... Unlike last, you know, game one, where they kind of put the puck then down around the boards or just put the puck into the corners, they were looking to get the puck into the middle immediately, attack the high danger zone, especially when teams are breaking up up the wall. That's some of the only time to really capitalize on open ice in the playoffs, especially in the center, because uh, that, you know, usually there's not that much action there. Uh, and when it is, they're kind of flying. So if you can get that turnover, they're flying the other way. They got to stop, come back, um, and you usually have a good head start. Uh, so I mean, the, the those are the adjustments we wanted to see, and we were 
asking to see way back when when they were president's trophy winners and it was the regular season it was like well what can they do to get ready for the playoffs this is what we were talking about making those adjustments where okay we see that our four checks being effective at containing and we're able to gain some possession out of this how do we weaponize this how do we really lean into this if they're going to keep giving it to us and then executing on that pretty immediately uh not only did they immediately score when they started doing this you know kind of when they started really focusing in and executing on it but it was at around the same time as the line changes um and, and you know, Verhage, I thought, you know, was a great move getting him on that line because, you know, Verhage was trying, but things just weren't kind of going right. If you give him, if you just let him be with two guys that are gelling, that are, you know, Kachuk and Bennett were just rolling last night. You knew that, like, all he would need is a couple shots to start feeling himself, you know, start skating having some longer strides and start getting in some open spaces and then bam, he gets that goal. Uh, you know, like it, it was, it wasn't just, okay, you know, moving people around. It seemed purpose felt, you know, on each line. It, it, what they moved to line two made sense. What they moved up to line one made sense. You know, even though it kind of was weird getting there, they had, you know, the Lomberg up on line one for a shift. Then they had, line reinhardt up there for a little bit you know it it took a little time but that's okay i mean it wasn't anything bad the, the only bad adjustment i think was the power play goal with duclair on the turnover right mm -hmm. um i know a lot of people are giving it to duclair and everything i i won't um that's a player who probably should know better and probably won't doesn't make that pass that much even. Um, but, you know, that's not his bread and butter. To be in that position, making the pass and everything, especially when he's not finding any solid footing, I thought that was asking for trouble. If you want to start PP2, if you want to start the second unit because they had some good success and you want to send a message to the first unit and stuff, that's fine. Or if you want to just get a couple of those guys and put them on the first unit, that's fine too. I just think... Putting Duclair, who was struggling in a point position on the power play in a big moment when you knew Boston was going to bring it. When you, you know, like you, you're, you're setting him out there against Marshan, and Marshan's going to see that and know, okay, I got a forward back there that's not really good defensively, you know, and is, you know, his big thing, strength is, is his skating. And he's just coming off a big injury. You know, I can attack this. I can get at this. You know, Boston definitely did. Um, and it was kind of just the opposite of that chuckle in game one where Orlov put it right in the middle when he should Sure know. did. Can I say that, you know, it's obviously game two was Sam Bennett's game. But it's funny to me how the two most consistent players from game one to game two were Losterain and then Lundell. And in the podcast, you'll never hear... I talked about how Anton Lundell stepping up to being like the truly good second line center that we know he could be was also part of the reason why they started winning games because when he was struggling and you'd go Barkoff and then uh-oh at center, right? right now yeah. you have Lundell who is continuing to play the consistent game that he was playing at the end of the season and doing it now that he's on the third line, like he's in good positions all the time. It's a quiet game. 
And you don't need Anton Lindell to do a crazy amount offensively, even though we know he's got that offensive potential. I said in that uh, one of the pieces on The Athletic that we cited, like 15 of them, that he was rated, I think it was Harmon Dial said, one of the 15 best, according to a metric I forget, defensively in yeah. the league. And uh, you're going, that makes sense to me. I know Anton Lindell's really good defensively. And even though they changed the lines for him completely, he's still doing that. And so I thought his consistency from game one to two was really good because last year he was a little overawed by playing in the playoffs. We saw that. You know, there was a drop-off when you got after the top six to Lundell, and he struggled. He's not struggling right now. He's doing really, really well at what he's being asked to do, and that's key. And A2 lows to Rainin too. I thought he did score an empty net goal, but the versatility of his game, you know, and the ability to play in these different kinds of spots and situations... You need players in the playoffs if you're going to pull off upsets or you're going to win who are guys who, they don't have to be loud, they just need to be consistent. And the consistency of those two, I don't think we're talking about it enough, and we should. Because those both those guys need their flowers. I, I just I just think it's great that we got the best player in the Trocek trade. <laughs> I just think it's great. I mean, we, uh, we, we don't make mistakes, we just have happy accidents. Thank you, Bob yeah. Ross. But I mean, like those two, but those two, arguably, I mean, they're not doing what Sam Bennett did. They're not doing what Matthew Kachuk did. But the or, consistency. Or Barkov. I mean, well, Barkov I, is the, at a higher level of quiet game, and I again, I don't get the criticism for him. His game is not going to be loud. He didn't have to be loud for the Panthers to win. Well, I, I think there's a difference between saying, you know, it would Florida does over the long term need to find a way to get him to offensively contribute. At a more at a better pace than a point every two games, but it doesn't have to be a point a game, right? Because, you know, I I think you know there's a huge difference between he needs to find a way to do what he does, and still offensively contribute. But you have to look at it and say, look at all that he does. When people are saying he's disappearing. He's still bringing all of that value everywhere else. He's just not able to do all of that stuff all the way behind his own net. Then make sure they get the breakout because, and then make sure get in, you know, and 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 do all and cover the D and, and do all of that. He's he's, you know, he's still getting the top matchups, um, you know, despite all of this. Uh, you know, and he's shutting it down. He's winning, winning big faceoffs. He's setting the tone physically. He's finishing checks. Um, you know, for someone who who averages you know ninety six points a year, you wouldn't expect them to to be going out finishing finishing checks um, in a year where they've had a lot of injuries. Well, he's um, been hurt with multiple. Yeah, that's what not I mean. Great injuries. Like, yeah. Yeah, like that's so. I mean, he's he's blocking shots. He's you I know, don't remember in any of the recent series he's played where he's been as into it physically as he's been in this right. series. I mean, he's he's been giving an assignment by Maurice, and I know people are are upset that he's not you know putting up more points. But if you're looking at it, Maurice is kind of giving him the Philip Dano role, role and giving you know Bennett and Kachuk's line kind of the the scorer role. You know, that's kind of what's happening. And and the expectation is, yeah, that Barkov is going to get to compete at, at that level, do all the things he does and still score. But he, and he's getting there. I mean, you, 
first game of the of the year, he doesn't, you know, do any. He doesn't put anything on the score sheet, and you're already, you know, trashing all this. Meanwhile, we've already discussed this. He has higher points per game in the playoffs than Kachuk in less playoff games, just one less playoff game. He's got a better plus minus than Kachuk. You know, he we we talked about how he was just pretty much even with Kachuk down the stretch. Um, you know, it's just because he's not in your face about it, I guess, and he doesn't do all the pestering stuff. Um, but if you look at it, he's doing more blocks and hits than Kachuk. He's showing his grittiness, his leadership in other ways. I think and you comparing the, him to Philip Deneau is a really good yeah. pull I mean, there. obviously, obviously he's going to, you know, the expectation is that he's put, he puts up more points than Deneau, but it's not like, I mean, I want to actually look up because I still, you know, Deneau still put up a lot of points, but his main objective is he can't, like, when Verhage or Kachuk or some of these players aren't scoring, they're at, the expectation is they're going to start cheating, they're going to start looking for more offense, forcing the envelope, trying to make something happen. If Barkov did that, you know, it'd be too many goals against even if he was scoring, you know? His main job is, is different. Uh, but no, he had, Deneau had four points in that, in that playoff run for the Canadians. So obviously, you know, it's not at that level where you want him to only put up four points, but you know, if Montreal won a cup in that final, uh, there was a lot of talk around, you know, he's in the, the uh Smythe conversation this is the two years ago when they went to the final and yeah I mean like yeah Suzuki and he also played really well last year against Edmonton too so like yeah good at this now I mean he's playing really good against Edmonton again this year so I think but also like we forget not every player is predisposed but like there is something to be said about a center like Barkov who Look, the, he's incredibly skilled offensively, but I think he gets challenged by the defensive part. He has to do a lot of it, but he likes that challenge, you know? Yeah. It's a different kind of challenge than you would expect for a player like him in a series like this. But when you have Sam Bennett, you know, who can do things offensively, right, in a way that we've already seen, Barkov can be asked to do a slightly different thing. And people are saying, oh, they need the... I was listening to American Wyshynski yesterday... And they're like, oh, the Barkoff line needs to, you know, this was for the game. How do we free that up? And I'm thinking to myself now after watching game two, it's like, if they can free him up to set the stage, to set the table for what comes after, you know what I mean? That is the kind of play that, and he'll get his moments in this series offensively. I have no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, like he, he was... People after game one, I think the criticism was they just wanted to see him make offensive plays out of nothing. I know there was a lot of, oh, he didn't have one shot on goal, but I I could have remembered him having a shot on goal. They gave him a lot of, they gave him four sh- uh, shot attempts or whatever, but like, you know, I he did it. You know, he, he muscled on that shorthanded play. And, you know, that might have been a penalty. That might have not have been a penalty. But it was a great play. It was a creative play. He was driving the net, and he was trying to score. He did a lot of sh- he did, took, did a lot of plays where he was actively shooting from positions that were kind of far out that he usually passes off of. You know, people wanted to see that, and hopefully they saw that in last night's game. I know there was a lot of 
you know, stuff towards the end. And, and there's a lot more of the Kachuk and the playoff atmosphere that we wanted that wasn't really there in game one to that extent. So maybe, you know, people overlooked it. But, I mean, he was, for my opinion, trying to find more windows that he could take offensive chances. Uh, and I think it helps that, you know, the team ended up playing better, that he got wingers that were playing his style of game at that moment so they can connect for passes, so they can string together a rush and opportunities or extended possession. Um, you know, that because when, when it's not just one player on the line, but multiple players on the line not doing well, I mean, I think you had all three of them kind of not on the same page, you're getting nothing. I mean, it's just going to be a blank offensively. That's just how it goes. So let's see how he does now in games three and four. But my money is if they can keep winning and everybody is playing a better-than-good game and playing better than their last game, if everyone's doing that, there's nothing to complain about. And I say that as somebody who this whole podcast exists so I can complain about hockey into a microphone so my friends hear it less you know <laughs> like i i like complaining about hockey so i'm i'm you know i'm i want more out of this team i you know we were so upset about the regular season and then you know we were so reactive of you know what changes need to be made if they don't make the playoffs because even this team as presently constructed can win can challenge boston can probably you know have a 50-50 shot at winning the series right now, um, you know, regardless of whether Bergeron comes back or not. I know, you know, we can't really know for, for sure until we see that effect after we saw the effect of Bennett playing in a game. But, you know, you still feel good about this team. You still feel like they have a shot. Uh, and that's kind of what you want right now. And you are hoping you still feel that way by game six of this series series if they if they get there but if they play like yeah, that I mean, again they're you, gonna they're gonna get there um the yeah. one thing that's interesting to me is i want to see well the bruins are gonna make lineup changes obviously after game two where they melted down late in the game but also with last change who does paul maurice want to see barkoff go against because in every single moment that it could happen in boston it was zaka debrusque and marchand that he was going up against pretty much almost exclusively and right. if it was if Bergeron was healthy, it would have been Bergeron against Barkov every single shift. Now, who does he want Barkov to go against in game three and four when he has last change? That's going to be interesting. How does Paul Maurice want to, you know, dictate the matchups now that he has last change? That is a question that whether Bergeron plays or not is is something that will be interesting to answer. Because part of why he might not be where you'd like him to be offensively is because the Bruins have decided They'll take his offense away. And they got burned because the Bennett-Kachuk line was obviously really, really good offensively. And now they have to make a decision. Well, do we want to have Barkov have the offense? Or do we want Bennett and Kachuk to beat us? It's an interesting question for Jim Montgomery. And it's a question that I... It's interesting to see it answered because if Bergeron doesn't play, the Panthers have the definitive advantage at center. That's just a fact. Now, if Bergeron plays, they're pretty equal. But I remember thinking to myself, if they get healthy Sam Bennett back, this changes. 
because I know that this team is really good because of the way they play and what they ask their centers to do, right? If they got three centers they can run out and do the things that Paul Maurice and the system asked them to do, it's really different than if it's two, right? Because once you went from Barkov to Lundell, that's a drop-off, and then Lundell to Eric Stahl, that's a huge drop-off, right? Now it's Barkov to Bennett to Lundell. That changes dramatically. For me, I think he doesn't do anything different with his line construction. You bring the same lines, and you play them in that same way. I think the wrinkle of home ice to me is, can he spot times to get Kachuk, Verhage, and Barkov on the ice together? After icings, you know, end of a period, before a period, you know, when when you a good offensive zone when they really need to get something going or they they're trying to put their foot on the throats and and, and kind of finish a game off you know can you give barkov the opportunity to jump in with kachuk and verhage on some shifts at the right opportunity if you look at barkov he's played under 20 minutes two games in a row last game he you know, the only forward to play more than him was Reinhardt, who played a minute more. Um, I, I Let me just pull up uh, game one here. Which is interesting because if you were coming into this series and you know how Paul Maurice coaches and you know he really rides his best players to the ground, you would have thought, oh, Barkov's playing 26 minutes. He's playing McDavid-level right. stuff, right? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I thought he was... You know, I thought the joke was cute and everything when Maurice was like, I'm gonna, I'm I thought it hit too close to home, personally. I, I'm going to rest him so I can play 47 minutes. Uh, I was like, great. But I don't know if maybe that humor was to deflect that, you know, this was not just a regular maintenance day for him. And he's, you know, dealing with something. So they, they you know, tw- if they can get 20 minutes and a good result and out of it, that's fine. Um, you know, it's also different when you have Sam Bennett to take different kinds of shifts that Barkov might have to have if he's not there. Well, in game one, uh, Reinhardt played three more minutes than him. Did he really? Yeah, and played center for a bit more. You know, and Stahl played. I I know by the end of the year, less than him. You know, I know by the end of the year they were playing. You know, Reinhardt was doing the draws, right? Like when Barkov was back with his hand injury. Just on one, just on one side, he does draws on one side, and only when he's really going. Um, But you know, like to be honest, there's possibly something that Barkov's playing through. Um, You know, it it would not surprise me based on some of the usage and stuff. And some, but uh, he's good enough to play, and I'm not really changing my expectations of him based on you know whether he's injured or not. Well, last year we thought I just he was that, hurt, like, and he wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I I just think that you know there's probably a couple shifts from either from both probably the third and the fourth line, more from the fourth line that you could take out of the game and play, you know guys who are going that game try to sneak them out double shift them you know they come right off the ice you put them right back by the door to send them out again next shift uh i think that you know the the only you know besides that duclair power play snafu i think the only other thing that i really would am hoping to see maurice change is not being so 
committed to that rolling four. Now, there's things that we don't know. We don't, you know, maybe he's trying to, maybe he really thinks, hey, we have a really good shot at winning this. It's going to be a long series. We want to be physical the whole series. And then there's another series after this. We really have belief in this room. Let's get at it. You know, maybe he's thinking long, long game on this, and he's going to ramp these guys up more, um, or what injuries they're protecting or whatever. But um, I would like to see him just dial back that rolling four and find this, this, the spots to, you know, especially with home ice to sneak those guys out to, to get, you know, whether it's the line I said, Verhage, Barkov, Kachuk, which uh, it has crazy numbers. Um, it should, and, honestly. Yeah. Or, you know, and, or to do a line, you know, with guys who are going, whether that's Kachuk, you know, Bennett and, uh, you know, Reinhardt or something or whatever it would be, whoever you want to get those top players out a little more. Um, I don't think they really need to do anything differently defensively with ice time. I think it's more just, Hey, let's bat and let's, you know, let's just make sure we keep doing what we're doing. Uh, I think we as have far spent as forty five minutes on this show thus far, and we haven't really talked a lot about the defense. And well, I mean, that's what you want when when Mark stalls in your top four, you don't want to be talking about defense. Period. And, and I'm very good point. You know, he's played his two best games of the year in the playoffs, and he was playing his best hockey down the stretch before that. You you meant uh, to say in that podcast you'll never hear that his best game of the year was the Toronto game which it was right. until the playoffs yes. and this is yeah. true I think the other adjustment that they made like you saw there were a couple times where you get in behind the defense right we saw it in game one less in game two that was good you know I think right. the stick checks from say Ekblad and Forsling have largely been pretty good they yeah, haven't Ek- been crazy aggressive which is good Ek- as well Ekblad's been uh for my money Pretty, you know, this is this is what standard Ekblad should be, you know, what we've been getting right now. Um, if he can stay healthy, this is what you should expect on most nights, um, you know. And the, you know, he's not getting points or whatever, but defensively, he's engaged. His skating looks miles better than it than it did. You know, he's he's much more stronger, much more physical, much more engaged much more central to the ice and not getting so much caught out. He's playing uh, with a snarl right now. Yeah. I mean, like you have three defensemen who are playing like they're your core defensemen and that's Ekblad, Forsling and Montour. You know, you're looking at those three defensemen and you're saying, okay, those are our top three defensemen. I mean, if you can get a defenseman better than one of those three, <laughs> absolutely do it, please please they still might need to you know you're just trying to be like can i just get somebody as good as these guys or to play with you know can i get a partner for akblad or a partner for montour moving forward and then you know try to replicate what you've done on this third pair again and i think they have all the pieces to do that whether they resign gudas or not uh, with Carl, I mean, hasn't played a ton of playoff games, and you no. know he's had a cup in a moment or two where he let somebody he, skate by him, but nothing terrible. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's just the limitations of his skating. So, like, you know, as much as I want to give Mohora more ice time uh, next year, uh, the re- there is a reason they're not pumping his minutes right now in the playoffs. That's why I wanted to see them pump his minutes in the regular season to be like, oh, what happens when Mohor plays 18, 19 minutes when, on, on nights when he's like playing well? Jack up that ice time, see what happens. The other, the I, other thing know. about the defense that I think should be said is that they did find a way to get Montour more offensive looks in game two. Game one, you know, when we remember him in the playoffs the last couple of years, he was not asked to do the same kinds of offensive things that he's being asked to do right now. Very, very different, I think, in terms of not just his play, but just overall confidence in what the system asks him to do. There was a little more when he was on the ice getting him into those spots, right? And yeah, he hit two clappers. He all he should have had a third. He was wide open in front of the net and blasted it, I think, if you remember that, right? Yes, Missed I it by a mile. I tweeted he did his best Racco Gudis impression. He kind of did, well, because Gudis apparently has the hardest shot in the league, which makes no sense to me. Yeah, and he usually, he has trouble hitting the net. He's good at getting it through unblocked, but he's not great at hitting the net. And I, you know, I'd rather him get it through than get it blocked. But I think that, you know, when you can find spots to get Montour engaged offensively in a way yeah. that doesn't sacrifice what you need to do defensively because Mark Stahl is paired with him, then you can do it. And they found the right moments to do that in game two. And it's it's incredible that that was the first time in Panthers history a defenseman scored two goals in a playoff yeah. game. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. And it's just, well, I mean, Florida, the state of Florida's defense. I mean, this is... You know, true. It, this is a top-heavy defense uh, for me. It, it, it's especially if you take Mahora, the gift off waivers, um, out of the equation. It was definitely even with the talent at the top end, probably one of the weaker D D groups they um, had. I of, can't in think of one year. weaker that made the playoffs this year. I don't think there is yeah. one. I mean, like it. it it's just. You know, the, the this is a league that has always prioritized some sort of defenseman, like the right shots, the the Erica Branson types, and, and, you know, then the very top end guys. But now it's like everybody in the playoffs has six or seven guys that are going to be impactful or can be impactful at both sides of the ice, you know, the one that's, thing that's that the Panthers have in this group that Boston doesn't have is that Boston's an older team, and I think it was pointed out on the PDO cast with, with Jack Hahn and Jack Frazier and Dimitri that the one thing the Panthers might have is the athletic advantage. Like, they can skate. You know, I'm not saying the Bruins aren't athletic, but they I'm don't not... have Brandon Montour on their team. You know what I mean? They yeah, don't have the these guys that skate is Charlie McAvoy. Yeah, but, like, the Panthers have... Better, but... Oh, he, not, Charlie McAvoy not is a, amazing. Not a better athlete. But, like, what they... Like but it. what we're... Yeah, it's the... It, Forsling is an athlete. Like, you know what I mean? Like, these guys... Yeah. Are, it's not that they're necessarily, you know, better or worse hockey players. It's that they can skate forever. You know, Montour can skate laps and not get tired. You know, Forsling can skate laps and not get tired, pretty much. I think their forwards are also you know, really, really well-conditioned athletes. You know, that's one of the things we're noticing with the kinds of players they're going after is they, they have a very keen eye for finding those athletic players they can add stuff to. 
like, you know, you can't teach speed, but in a hockey sense, right? And so Boston doesn't have that, you know? You see who they're playing in some of those minutes, and you're going, oh, the, the Bruins can't match that athletically. So if the Panthers can play at a frenetic pace, and it's not just they're really good off the rush, they actually generate a ton of stuff off their forecheck too, which I was stunned to see. You know, like they're actually much a really good forechecking team and generating offense off of the forecheck. Like when you think about the Panthers the last two years, that's not what you thought of. You're thinking of it this year. It might be just the players that they have, but also just in general, they're a pretty good forechecking team. And it helps when you have athletes, you know, guys who can just skate. And that's the one area I was thinking of coming into this series. Like the Bruins don't have any guys like that. They have a lot of really good players, you know, but they don't have players who can do that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to see uh, Forsling and Montour get tired by the end of a game. That's just not who they are. And that is an advantage. And now that they have last change, can they exploit that? It's interesting, but I th- I predicted that, they would win, uh, that the Bruins would win in six. I thought that the Panthers were going to give the Bruins trouble because... The Bruins don't like playing at a crazy pace. And I think Florida, if they can dictate it, we've seen it this year, right, Tommy? That they can play at a really good pace. And a lot of teams yeah. struggle to keep up with that. It's just, when can they do it? Because this team I, was fragile in the sense that if something went wrong, the house of cards falls apart. But if they get their game right, like they did mostly in game two, I mean, nobody can beat them if they play like that. It's just that... Can they play like that consistently? It is a good question. I don't think there is a great answer. Uh, we got to see if they can do it in, in games three yeah. and four. Yeah, well, I mean, that that's the difference between Maurice being a good coach for this team if they want to, you know, win some series and, and, you know, get get some mileage in the playoffs every year. But, you know, is he the coach that's going to help this team win win a cup? And that's, you know, what we, we have to see. Are, are some of these core players, you know, uh, good enough? Are some of these, you know, support and fringe players good enough? Uh, are they, is this, you know, what can they do this year? Uh, but I I have them winning in six. I have the Panthers winning in six. Um, you can... We'll be asking you for lottery. Bracket. I, 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 it is not I, the NHL.com bracket. I, I did I it have, with uh, somebody have, else. I have trouble looking at a roster with, or, you know, and I've written this, I've said it on podcasts, I have trouble not believing in this core. And that, it's you know, maybe that explains, maybe that explains, like, I think that they have a chance to go on a run here and do something. I mean, if, if Winnipeg, you know, if Winnipeg, uh, there's a lot of teams that, at, you know, make a run and go to the cup or, or, or further, um, you know, and I think Florida is just as good as them, and they'll they'll be together for a while. So they should have a few runs that go further than the second round, and hopefully one ends with a Stanley Cup or a trip to the final, uh, or or multiple of them do. Because you know, I keep saying I like a lot of these players. I like th- this. I like that. I don't like that. I don't see the next steps. I don't see the evolution. I don't see the things that they need to do to win in the playoffs and make use of this roster and this core that we like. You know, that's always been, that's kind of been my yeah, head. It's it's, it's a difference when it comes to saying, okay, this roster needs full on surgery to 
you know, can they do the little, little things that you need to do to level up and win series? I think the way that I think of this series is colored, not that I did obviously think they were going to win, because I don't, but it's not colored by the fact that they haven't won before. You know, they did win a series last year, you know, in the opposite position they're in now as the, you know, as the one seed with pressure as opposed to the eight seed. They do feel pressure. Matthew Kachuk said it, but it's different, you know, and... I mean, the game two shows you that they can win this series. It's just a matter of whether they will. Again, I don't think they're going to, but it's not. I think people realize after I, last night, it's more than a plausible explanation now. Like, I, I think people believe after last night that they can. For me, for me, what I need is for Maurice to to for me to feel good about Maurice going into another year. I need to see this go six or seven games. And at the end of it, I want to be like, they played well enough to win. And, you know, it's just Boston. They just didn't get the bounces, you know, but the team as a whole, you know, no one sunk the ship. They, they played well. They played through to the end and they were competitive all the way through uh, against a very good Boston team. Okay. You know, I saw the adjustments. I saw this. I can believe now. Let's just, you know, get better, and and not worry about the coach and not worry about systems or or this or that. Let's just it's worry about. It's basically the equivalent of twenty twenty one against Tampa, just but upped a little bit. What I, I mean, for me, and for me to basically stay with a, you know, to save everybody's job and basically just replace the old guys who age out. Um, and maybe a trade or two for 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 you know a defenseman um, and cap purposes, uh, I would need to see them go on a run. Like I mean, if they if they have six games and they fall to Boston and I feel like they could have won, then it's like okay, well, what do they need to do to win? And and you know that's add that top four defenseman. What else can they get? Can they add a a a better shoot like a a more if you look at one thing in the forward group, they have a lot of guys who score by volume and score around the net and through tips and deflections and rebounds. They don't have a guy who's like a sharpshooter, a one-time guy. They use their defenseman for that on the power play. And Verhage can shoot from far away, uh, but he's not like a one-timer guy. You know, he's kind of like the the quick release or, you know, the the, the sweep and toe drag shooter and stuff um from from distance like maybe they can add something like that or um you know just upgrade their depth a lot and, and maybe that's the way they see going further yeah the, the problem um, with this know, like, team is they got no depth once they get to the like the 13th forward is somebody who cannot play in a well, national it, hockey league playoff game it wouldn't be the case if charlotte wasn't in a pretty deep expected to you oh, know yeah. win a playoff series i mean this is a ahl team that has an independent ownership that has good fan support and they're playing the i think they're the fifth seed playing the fourth or they're the fourth seed playing the fifth seed or something like that all the games are in charlotte against the lehigh valley phantoms of it's course. the why hockey classico um yeah so i mean like you know they have three games Charlotte's going to want all their guys for three games and they're, 
you know, they'll paper Dalpy up and stuff to be there just in case. But they don't want Dennis, you know, they don't want some of the, they don't want, you know, some of these guys. 20-goal scorer Lucas Carlson? Yeah, there's no way, you know, until the season's over. Well, I, I, I do feel that because we didn't have a chance to talk about this previously, just quickly before we touch on it. Lucas a, Carlson is having a sick year. I mean, he is. Play. He is, but also the other signings that they made um, and the fact I, that you really like that Samuskevich is starting in the AHL. And well, and it's not, you know, his his ELC is three-year ELC starts next year. That's what I love about it because in the past, um spencer knight they would burn it immediately you know yeah because in the past they've been a they've been a franchise where you know players are hot and cold on the team and there's guys who said i would rather go back to college play four years at college and then call my shot when i'm done versus you know oh no i have to play another couple years at michigan oh no you know like it's a great locker room it's you know You'll, you'll have a lot of fun in that league. You'll get better. And at the end of the day, you'll, a lot of scouts will see you. So you'll be able to go where you want to go. He, but he was like, nope, I'm ready to go pro. They have a plan. I'm excited to see what he can do over a full AHL season next year. That's my expectation. If he makes the team out of camp, great. Uh, I'll ne- I'll never I'm not going to expect it, and maybe until two years from now. You know. Well, it's interesting because they also had that that Western Michigan forward that they signed. Yeah. You know. Yep. Yep. Uh, if if you can, if I don't know if it's unlocked still in Elite Prospects on EP Ringside, but if you are a member of that, you can see they have uh, all of the different guys that they've signed, or two, two or three, you know, the two of the uh, college sign forwards that they signed. Uh, they featured a, a little player card and and some scouting reports and things like that. Um, that are interesting. Based on what I read about um, McAllister, I think his name is, uh, he seems a very Panthers, you know, what I mean, Bill Zito wants kind of signing. High risk, high reward, high talent guy, little bit of a late bloomer, uh, and a little bit small, you know, a guy um, that at one point was leading the nation, I think, well, maybe until New Year, uh, leading the nation in points. Um, as a freshman, I mean, he's not an 18 year old freshman. He's a little older, uh, like we said, late bloomer, but it was his first year in the league. It's, you know, a step up from, uh, the Brooks bandits where Kale McCarr played in, in minor junior in Canada. Yeah. The AJHL, um, I think it yeah, was. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, we'll see what we get from him. Uh, same with, uh, the Swedish for they signed. Wilmer Skoog, that is an epically great yeah, hockey name. Great name. You know, he's Swedish. Uh, he played at BU, I yep. believe. Terriers. Uh, yep. Uh, and, and and they signed Michael Benning. Would have liked to have seen him play, but hey. But he's another option in the system uh, for yeah. next year. He had I mean, a really and, good college year with Denver, apparently. Yeah, and he's closer to the end of his college career than Samo, so it was harder to get him to sign an ATO. And then also, there's no way. What's he going to do in Charlotte? I think they have like nine defensemen right now. I think they, they have. Have, you see, know? It's really funny. The Panthers have like no defensemen once you get past the top three, and Charlotte has like a thousand. Yeah, well, I mean, it's easy to pile up AHL defensemen. It is. Uh, speaking so, of, they signed the one from Latvia. Well, no, Czech hockey. He is Latvian. Yes, yes. And, and by the way, I will always advocate for Euro free agent signings like this. There is yeah, no risk to doing it, one of I them will believe- hit. I believe his name is Uvis Belinskis. Uh, Probably Belinskis or something like that. I don't know. Um, so 
you know, we'll see. He was, you know, he was a top. There's a lot of tweets out there. I tweeted out a two-minute YouTube clip if you want to see what he actually looks like on ice. He's a guy that has a lot of swagger. He plays with white hockey gloves. It does not look like anyone else on his team does. Uh, so that is a style choice. And that uh, He played is, in the AHL, uh, the KHL, excuse me, before, you right. know, everything else happened, and now he plays in the Czech League. That's why that happened. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's he looks pretty decent you know he's definitely a a defenseman who gets forward and and has some hands and likes to score and and contribute offensively haven't we seen that before with yeah so we'll we'll see he's turning 27 in august so hopefully he's a brian rafalski or some type and uh (laughs) comes over but again Uh, you will never hear us of all people ever ever say don't make european signings like this Or, or college free agent signings if if, as I want to hear, like what I was reading about all of these players, where they were they were at towards the top end of the league they're coming from. They have a high skill level, and it's just about will it translate to the next level? That's the best use of free contracts uh, that you can have, I think, because yeah. uh, every because the player is better. You're hoping you're drafting. You know, the players that are more that, you know, at a certain point, these guys are, um, you know, you just want to go for the high skill ones out of this, out of these diamonds in the rough. You're looking for the skill you're looking because that's how they're going to make it. That's how they're going to be able to hang in the NHL and uh, all that rest. You know, you just have to hope comes. Yep. So lots of interesting stuff for the future, and that's the later future as in next year, but also immediate future as in the Panthers could actually beat the Bruins. Just a quick yeah. little touch up on a, a couple other things around the uh, the league and the playoffs before we wrap this up. We're gonna try to keep this short, I promise. But I, you uh, know, we're already at long length. So. We're already at an hour, but that's normal. Well, normal. It's short based on why hockey standards. Some of the shows we've done. Um, you wanted to talk just quickly about the Wild and. Dean Evison's just I, – I have no idea what that was. So, so game one, the Wild win in double overtime. They got outplayed. They got outplayed, but their goalie did not get outplayed. Their goalie was great. And Philip Gustafson has been great all year. He was great for my fantasy team, maybe yours. Um, you know, I think his average was like a 9-3. If he played more games, he probably could have been in the Vesna conversation he still might be right they chose to sit him not because of illness not because of injury but they just felt he maybe had too many minutes like double overtime that's like five you know almost five periods depending on where the goal was scored uh you know that's almost that's like a game and a half right uh maybe he needs a rest that's a lot to play so they go to flurry flurry starts out okay Minnesota does not. The skaters look disjointed. They don't look like the team that beat Dallas in double overtime, was poised, collected, and all of that. They start falling apart. As that happens, of course, Flurry starts falling apart, and when your goalie starts falling apart, you get blown out. I could not I could not believe I I could not imagine going to my bosses and being and trying to explain how that happened how 
being up one nothing against Dallas, uh, a very good hockey club, um, a team that definitely should be should beat the Wild in the series, a team that stole your first franchise, so so to speak, right? Yeah. Um, you know, there, I I don't know if there's any animosity for that or you know. Oh, there was animosity for something based on be, how that game ended. You, you should you should be upset where you go from wow we're we're on the front foot we got a chance to do something to making a decision that basically loses you the game from the beginning even if it didn't appear that way and there's opportunities to get it back on the rail but from my outside perspective i tuned in to watch because i knew the team was i knew there was a chance the team would just look dysfunctional all this because as a player, as a defenseman, I'd be like, wait, what? what? You know, like, doesn't matter how much of a team player you are and stuff. This was, this is not even considered normal outsider thinking. Like, this is just, this does not happen. Like, this, you, you do not see this. You see coaches make weird decisions with goalies all the time, sometimes using three goalies and all this stuff. This is a first for me. This is a you're changing a goalie that you're you're basically saying I want to rest the hot hand who should be my number one goalie because I just want to give this other guy a game. I want to split I want to split time in the playoffs between two goalies. And to me that's like if you say that as a coach, you should not be a coach. That's just my personal opinion. I, I don't get it. It's incredible, right, that they did that. And, and I mean, and it, the fear of something like this happening was why I just wanted them. I was okay with Maurice towards the end when Lyon showed himself to continue over five, six, seven, eight games to, to stay with it and improve, uh, get stronger glove, get stronger rebound control, et cetera, et cetera. That Maurice was leaning into it and basically, while not confirming, given that good sense to everybody, fans, team, whatever, publicly, this is our guy. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that because I, I was scared that it would go, they would try to do some sort of split. I don't want to see Bobrovsky in this series. Like, I hope I never see Bobrovsky play another game for the Panthers. And I love Bob. I think he was great this year when uh, he was healthy and uh, all that. But, you know, I hope Lions just wins us a cup here. <laughs> you know, like that's what I want. I don't uh, want might as well while you're at it. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on these series you want to you wanna mention? We're not going to have time to touch on all of them, but anything else you found no, interesting? No, I mean – I. Seattle, Colorado, I think will be, you know, and I'm not just saying this because Seattle won the first game. I'm saying it because Seattle jerseys, the logo, I think is really cool. I like the guys that they've picked up. I mean, they got a lot of guys that got Bjorkstrand for pretty much free. They picked up Tolvin in off waivers for free. They got Sprong. They have a lot of these guys that I was like, I really liked. I was like, these guys are com- can be con- con- contributing members of a playoff team. These guys can go and be useful somewhere. It's just about finding a way to use them. Seattle's putting that puzzle piece together. And whether they win the round or not, huge, huge step. They're not going to have to hear about how, you know, 
Well, Vegas got it together so well. You see the the growth year to year. They're in a playoff spot already. That's much better than a lot of new teams in the NHL. You know, they have a lot of momentum. I'm just excited to see that play out. Um, Another series I really like in the East, uh, you know, besides any series Toronto plays in the first round, um, is I want to see what the Devils do in the playoffs. If they can handle a team that has goalies and has offensive firepower, stars that, you know, Tarasenko's won a cup, he knows he can just turn it on. He's kind of at that. If he's healthy and he's feeling good about his team and his fit, he can turn it on. Maybe not to the extent of some of these other players, but, I mean, he's won a cup and he's been, you know, a guy to get it done. Uh, and then you have Patrick Kane, who's won multiple cups and knows Boy, exactly can I say doing. that the Devils, I, I have been skeptical of them for playoff hockey all year for obvious reasons because they remind me a lot of the Panthers of recent years. And I don't think the Panthers ever played that badly with Brunette. Like, they played bad games, but they didn't look anywhere near as like, we don't deserve to be here. That that power play looked familiar. (laughs) Oh, sure did. Sure did, my God. (laughs) It reminded me of last year almost instantly. I don't think they'll be that bad again. But I picked the Rangers to win that series because I said this is the if New Jersey played Florida, it would have been a such a better matchup for them for obvious reasons. But you're playing up against the Rangers, the antithesis of the kind of team you want to see if you're in your first playoff go round for a bunch of these guys, right? Like they didn't need to see that, and they yeah. saw it, and it it went like terribly. Now they won't be right. that bad again, but that's we'll see. I mean, they might be. They might be that bad in this whole series, and this might be how they get unbad, or you know. But this is a team that played an even softer game than the Panthers last year. Had soft has softer players than the Panthers last year. I don't know. I mean, there's a difference between your Jack Hughes being six three finish guy who's been in the NHL since he's eighteen and has just been like a shutdown, like, I I dominate men. I, I mean, like... I've dominated men for a decade. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Right? I, as soon as I said it, I was like, I knew three words in the famous Arrested Development quote. Yes, uh, I know, I know. I was in trouble. Three words in. Uh, but, you know... It's okay, like, everyone else was thinking it Hughes, too. Hughes is going to have to co- maybe go on the Connor McDavid evolution of you know getting thrown around uh in you know his rookie year and then getting thrown around in his rookie playoff series and and stuff until and then kind of grow into it like mcdavid had to you know crosby was a little different he still had to grow in a lot to it but you know he had 100 penalty minutes in his first in his rookie year um he he was definitely a different breed than than the other two. It feels it feels like that with New Jersey, and that's what I thought was like playoff experience, man. It matters, and most right. of these and- stars. I know Palat's done plenty. I know some of these other players have, but they haven't seen it, you know. And and you can say, oh, we're prepared for it. You're not until you play it. 
You're the not Rangers, until the Rangers are bearing down on you with all of these guys that have won Stanley Cups the, and went to a conference final last year. The Rangers are a team that is good. I mean, like, they're good. I think they're better than the Devils. I mean, on paper, I think the Devils, regardless of the points this year, the Devils are the underdog. You look at the coach, I think Galant's a better coach than the rough brunette tandem or whatever, just rough or whatever. Um, I think some Devils look, fans might agree with you on that. You look at the defensemen, you know, I'm taking Fox over Hamilton all day. I'm taking Miller over whoever you want to say is the next Devils defenseman. And I don't think the Devils defense is, is bad. It's just, you know, the I and I hate the Rangers. I like two Rangers fans, and that's about it. Everything else about the Rangers I dislike. But, you know, they're a good team. They have the best goalie in the NHL, in my opinion. Maybe not the best NHL playoff goalie. I think maybe Vasilevsky still has that for now. Um, but, you know, he is, so. you know, and the Devils, I wanted to play the Devils if I was the Panthers over the Bruins or over any team in the playoffs because look at their goaltending. Yeah. Like, I mean, they have they, three they goalies. They chased Vanacek last year. They have year. three goalies I would have trouble using on my NHL team. Akira Schmid, I'd probably play in a, in a Alex Lyon role. Um, but other than that, I don't know. I probably oh, would put them on my team. But I so will end this podcast by saying, in the pool that I won last year when I got every series, I think, but one wrong, uh, but, but right, I got one wrong, I think. And I picked Colorado-Tampa as the Stanley Cup final, and the Avs won. What did you think my cup final was this year? This year? Yeah, this year. I think that you went Oilers-Rangers or Oilers-Hurricanes. Oilers was correct, but do you know who I did pick to get to the final? The Panthers? No. Toronto. Oh my gosh. Well, that's, I had my final, my final... If it's Edmonton-Toronto, I'm going to have to root for Toronto, and then I'm going to have to, like... Take a shower and bleach. Stop, stop watching hockey the rest of my life. Oh, my God. Uh, but my Eastern Conference final was, in fact, Leafs-Rangers, so... I, I think... I think the Oilers have a very tough road. Well, uh, I saw how they, they blew up game one. They they gave that thing away. So, yeah. Uh, and I just don't want them to win. I mean, I think a team that's this mid with the supposed two best forwards in the game, I, I it just boggles my mind. Who do you want to win out of the West? I'm assuming it's the Avs again, but. Yeah, I mean, I love the Avs. I think they do everything right. You know, uh, but out stars would be a good one. I have I really, my Western I Conference love, final was Oilers stars. Heiskanen to me is the number is the if you could say I could have any D in the NHL to put on my team right now, Miro Heiskanen is the one I'm taking. Even over Kale McCarr, but we know we, we're we're Finland fans but, on this I mean, podcast. I, well, I just you know, sure you could get Kale McCarr, but then you have Kale McCarr, you have Ekblad, you you have. Uh, you know, you put Heisken in, you put him next to Ekblad, and then you have Heisken in, Ekblad, Forsling, Montour. And the fit is just pristine. And, you know, Heisken is showing that he's no slouch offensively this year. So, you know, 
he's a guy that should be in top five in in the Norris. How um, much does the history of the Philadelphia love, Flyers change if they take him over Nolan Patrick? Uh, I guess the firings are not really that surprising. How, Congrats how to everyone is, involved. How much is Mira Heiskanen's career different if he goes to Philadelphia, though? That's I mean, a good as point. great as he was, and as I mean, a lot of people had them in the top, had him in the in the three, four, five range. Heiskanen, you know, some had him too, um, and you know, he was just up there with Makar, if not more up there with Makar, because he was coming from a you know where Makar was coming from in that minor junior league, then going to a program that was not really super well known, the UMass for developing defenders and stuff. Um, now it is, you know, for sure, uh, with Fer- Mario Ferraro, who was his partner there, uh, looking really good in San Jose. Um, you know, Heiskanen was right there. Uh, but, oh man, God, that would have been... But I think going to Dallas, a GM like Jim Neal, who's going to put guys like Mira Heiskanen around Mira Heiskanen, uh, made it a more sure thing. Just like McCarr going to a team with a general manager and who would find the coach that would allow McCarr to just walk in and play his game and build the team and the systems around that. Go, you know, they went out and got Devon Taves for two second rounders because they were like, okay, what do we need to do? To complement this style, you need Taves can play that style and everything, but he does so while being very well defensively. They got a lot of D like that, you know. They leaned into it. Uh, I, I, I really just want them to win out of every team in the West. Uh, but Kings and Stars would be my next bet. So that would be that would be fair. The Kings are doing good good business, and the Kings have already won a cup. You know, like. They've won two, yeah, so that's fine. You know, it's like, yo, Kopitar and Dowdy get more cool. You know, like, who's who's the bad guy on the Kings you don't want to get a cup? They traded Brendan Lemieux. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. correct. They they got rid of him. They 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 did. They just, so they just uh, have a uh, they just have a statue for Dustin Brown now. He's not they, there anymore. They know? have a statue for Dustin Brown, correct? And uh, and it's fast. It's fascinating. These playoffs are interesting. A lot of road teams are winning. A lot of chaos, and uh, hey, Panthers are causing some of it. That's great to see. So hopefully you like the new audio quality from this mic I spent too much money on. But I'm excited I, to hear it myself, friend. I, I am excited to see what it sounds like when I edit it back. So thank you for listening. We will have much more, obviously, on this series. I think we'll probably talk to you after Game 4 because there's a two-day break and then we can digest some things. But it this is this is more fun than I thought it was going to be. And considering what I went through... In recent days, seeing the Panthers do that was quite a treat. It's been a while since I felt that way about uh, not just the Panthers, but really any sports team. That's That was an enjoyable game to watch. It's an enjoyable series to cover. Thank now, you, and don't give us pain by then forgetting how to play this way for like three games and losing the series. <laughs> good night and good hockey. Please don't forget that pain is pain still. <laughs>